0: Let not the pure in heart for they shall see abroad. the Lord. The secrets of the Lord is as the sun is from the Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at Saint Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. Today we're looking at Jesus' story of the tax collector and the Pharisee who go to pray together, but who see themselves very differently. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. be seated. I I broke my glasses a couple weeks ago and I was able to glue them back together but I put too much glue and that one won't bend now, so (laughs) they're not very transportable. Um, Anyway, nothing to do with the sermon, I just noticed that. Anyway, uh, my best friend from high school is an English teacher, an eighth grade English teacher. Um, and, and we've talked over the years that, that when she became an English teacher, um, people started acting weird around her. Because I, I think people really, they're afraid of English teachers. I know, <laughs> if, I was afraid of my English teacher, Mrs. Trakoff. She was very scary. Anyway, um, because what happens is that when she's in a social situation and people discover that she is an English teacher, they, they get a little awkward and uncomfortable and they start talking more formal and try to use bigger words. <laughs> and they get really concerned about if they're using who and whom correctly. And I thought that was really kind of funny until I became a priest. <laughs> There's something about being a priest that makes a lot of people really awkward and uncomfortable. And the funniest thing I find about being a priest is that when anyone swears, they always apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. As if my virgin ears were offended. <laughs> and, and I usually try to reassure them by saying, it's all right. I was in the Navy. I know the words. In fact, I, I even use some of the words. My son got in trouble earlier in the year at preschool for using one of the words. (laughs) Now, I want to brag on him because he used it correctly in context. (laughs) Still, it's not one of the things we say in polite company. And so I've been working double hard to moderate my language, especially when frustrated. And so I'm trying to find clever and funny things to say. Um, instead of what I would normally say, but that's really hard. Anyway, when, when people apologize for swearing or they all act awkward in front of English teachers, um, I think that's a really weird phenomena, right? Because English teachers and priests aren't like superhuman. Um, my friend Julie was not an especially good English student, actually. <laughs> She was really good at German, but English, yeah, so, so much, so much. But people act odd around them because they have an experience that people like English teachers and priests are, you know, judgmental. And that they, they are always kind of calling them out on things, and so it makes people uncomfortable to be judged. And so they try to avoid being judged by, by responding to us in these odd and curious ways. Because I think all of us have this experience of being judged, right? And whether that happened when we were were a kid and we weren't picked for the team or we didn't, you know, advance as far in the spelling bee as we wanted or, you know, name some traumatic childhood experience that shows you that you aren't the best. And that's hard to to encounter, right? Because if you go to a class of five-year-olds and you ask them, who is the fastest kid in your class? They all raise their hand. But if you go to a class of fifth graders and you ask them, who is the fastest kid in the class? They all point to the fastest kid in the class. Right? Because part of growing up is learning that though we are unique, we aren't always necessarily special. And for some, that's a harder lesson to learn than for others. Right? So none of us like being judged. At the same time, all of us probably sometimes judge people. All of us have probably looked out and gone, phew, I'm glad I'm not like that person. Right? We have all been the Pharisee in the story from the gospel today. I was sharing at coffee hour that a few years ago I went to my high school reunion. And we got there a little early. And, and I thought we were in the wrong place because there was just a bunch of old people at the bar. Right, um, and so I came away from my high school reunion going like, oh, you know, I'm not doing so bad after all. <laughs> right, and has anybody been to the fair? Right, <laughs> right. So we all we all do this, right? We all compare ourselves to others, and we try to find ways to compare ourselves favorably to others. It's just a natural human reaction because we all. We all want to fit in. We all really want to be like five-year-olds and feel like we're special, like we're the fastest kid in the class. We all kind of hunger for that. And learning that it's not true is hard, and so we often try to find ways to to bolster that sense of self-esteem by comparing ourselves to others who maybe aren't as fortunate as us or whose taste is, you know, questionable. There's a whole website called the People of Walmart which is dedicated to making you feel better. And you don't really know the stories behind these pictures. It's actually kind of a cruel thing even though it's also kind of funny. (laughs) Right, because we all desire to feel like we're special. And so Jesus tells the story of this parable of these two men who go up to the temple to pray. Right? And, and the Pharisee starts with praying like, thank you God for making me awesome. <laughs> I say this prayer all the time. <laughs> I don't. But I think we can all relate to that prayer, right? That we're all thankful for the things that we feel are blessings in our lives, or ways that that we are kind of special. But like the Pharisee, he gets so caught up in himself that he doesn't really see anything else. And I think all of us can probably relate to the tax collector who goes, and just a reminder, tax collectors are bad people in the Bible. IRS agents today are good people tax collectors in the Bible are bad people. So the tax collector, he goes and, and he can't, he feels so terrible about himself, he can't even lift his eyes heavenward. He's, he's ashamed of who he is and all he asks is that God be merciful to him because he knows that he is a terrible sinner. Uh, and as much as Jesus calls out him for being more justified, right, being made more right in his relationship with God, I don't necessarily think that Jesus wants us to go around feeling terrible about ourselves. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, what, or in the, the summary of the law, right, what does Jesus say? That we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Jesus doesn't want us to hate ourselves. Jesus doesn't want us to think we're all lowly worms and unworthy. Jesus wants us, though, to see ourselves as we truly are. right? And so one of the things that is valuable when we look at this parable, that in the, in the reaction of the tax collector to his prayer in the temple, is that the tax collector knows that what he's doing is wrong. Right? He's, he's an agent of an oppressive invading force. He is oppressing his neighbors. He is breaking relationship with his community by enforcing the somewhat excessive tax demands of the Roman Empire. He knows that in his heart. Whereas the Pharisee is probably, frankly, equally complicit in the oppression of the empire. But all he sees is how wonderful he is. And so he too has broken relationship with community, not because he's actively going out and hurting people, but because he's so selfish. He can't see the reality around him. He doesn't see the tax collector as a person caught in a difficult system. He just sees him as a terrible, sinful person. And so these two, I think, offer to us kind of an invitation into the life of faith of two different disciplines. And the first is confession. Right, That the the tax collector essentially is engaging in confession. He knows that he is not living up to his potential. He knows that he is not fulfilling the role he was created for. He knows that he is breaking the bonds of community, that he is not exhibiting integrity in his relationships. He knows it's wrong and all he wants is to be forgiven by God. Even if he's not real sure how to get out of the situation he's in, he knows that there should be another way. That's confession. Confession isn't about figuring out all the rules you broke and making sure you list them all so that you can get them all crossed out. It's about being honest to God and yourself about who you are and what you do And what you're choosing to do in your life that brings you closer to others, and what you're choosing not to do that could have brought you closer to others that didn't. Right? Confession is about honesty complete, vulnerable honesty before God. And not because God doesn't already know, God knows. But if you want to change, you first have to be honest with yourself. That's the first step. And Jesus' invitation is to change, to transformation, to living the way you were created to live. But the other thing that is offered in this parable from the from the, text, sorry, the Pharisee is, is, a, is what I would call discernment right because each of us were created with gifts and abilities and talents and each of us is invited to bring those gifts into the community into the building of God so that so that we have fulfilled the role we were made for all of us are made right this in the same way that you don't make something right whether it's a table or a cup or a dress or anything dinner We don't make things without purpose. You are made things. God made you for a purpose. You have gifts. You have talents. You have abilities. And that when we join us all together with our different gifts and our different talents and our different abilities, we have everything we need to build the kingdom of God. But we have to spend time discerning what those things are. Now, the Pharisee, he's pretty much discerned that everything about him is awesome and a great gift, and he is like the number one person that God ever made, probably. He has all the answers if only people would ask him. I can relate. (laughs) Right. So he's kind of made the first step in thinking about what he has been blessed with. Of course, he misses the mark by seeing all those gifts as some kind of prize or reward for himself and not for the community that he's a part of. And so each of these two offers us this opportunity that is really important, an example for our own lives of faith, to discern what are we called to do? What are my talents? What, what do I have to offer for the good of the community? And confession to be honest about who we are, about the ways that we fall short of the people we were created to be, the ways we, we hunger to be different and are challenged by how to get there. And the beauty of the community of faith is that when we come together and we work together and we learn to trust each other and we become more vulnerable with each other and that our confession, our ability to witness to our true selves moves from our private conversations to God to our relationships with one another, the more we are able to discern for each other what our gifts and abilities are. That is one of the reasons why Jesus leaves us with community. Jesus didn't leave a long list of rules. He didn't leave a book. He didn't leave too much of anything, actually. The only thing Jesus left was a group of friends who were charged to help one another to live lives in the shadow of Jesus's example. We are invited into the same thing, And when we're honest about who we are, and we're honest about the things that we desire, and when we know what our gifts and our calling should be, then we can come together to help us out of the things that are taking us off the path. And we can help ourselves into the things that might be gifts and abilities that we have that we don't even know, but that others see so clearly. And so these two things are essential not only to our individual Christian lives, but to our life as a faith community. That all of the things we do are not only rooted in Jesus's vision for the world, right? The good news, the gospel. They are also rooted in our ability to be honest, to give ourselves a true self-appraisal and understanding so that we can see the giftedness with which we were made. We are beloved children of God. Our God wants only the very best for us. We were created with a purpose. And though we live in a world where evil still has run of the place, it doesn't have any power. We aren't willing to give it. And so when we come together and we are inspired by this vision that Jesus offers us of a different way of life, and when we're honest before God about who we are and our failings, and we can discern what our gifts are and the gifts of our neighbors, then we are well on our way to implementing that vision in our community and in our own lives. Amen.